As we come to worship today on this beautiful Easter season morning, sunny after so much rain this past week, um, let's join together in, in uh, prayer as we prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Almighty God, you pour out your spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us from cold hearts and wandering thoughts that with steady minds and burning zeal we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As we come to worship that living Christ, our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Peace be with you, my peace I give to you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. The peace of Christ be with you. We are called into worship with words from the book of Revelation, chapter 5. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth, wisdom and might, honor, glory and blessing. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Come, let us worship the Lord. Jesus risen from the dead, we are now faced with the reality that confronts us every moment of every day. What do I do, what do I have to do to be alive with Christ? Salvation is a posture of repentance and faith that you begin in a moment and then maintain for the rest of your life. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we are a people in need of your grace, for in zeal we have condemned others, and in cowardice we have denied you. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins, for our failure to love you fully, and to care for your people as we should. Heal us, we pray, and restore us to life, that we may again know joy and favor in your presence. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in Christ, we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul all your mind. 
This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so, let us live. As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from the book according to uh, the Gospel according to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses 1 through 20. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 20 tells us the story of the transformation, the conversion, the vision experience of Saul on the road to Damascus. Hear now the word of God. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. The Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Here ends the reading of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus told us to his and his disciples that he is the way in John's gospel. The way to what? To where? How is that way defined? Jesus has defined for us basically four aspects or perspectives on how we spiritually grow. And we're going to look at those during this Easter season. There is the transformative way. There is the positive way. There is the negative way. And there is the creative way. Each of these aspects or perspectives has an element of change involved in it. It is a a path, if you will, that has multiple dimensions, and those dimensions are always interworking with each other. But the four of transformative, positive, negative, and creative are ways of seeing our path that we walk with Jesus Christ. And it gives us insight into how we spiritually grow. Today we begin, in this reading of, of, uh, of Paul's conversion, with the transformative way. Paul is on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. He has a terrible reputation. He has spent the past years killing people because they belong to Jesus Christ, and his reputation precedes him. Ananias, who lives in, Jer- in Jerusalem, knows all about him. Knows all about him. Damascus knows all about him, okay? Ananias has a dream. God says to him, there's a guy named Saul, the house of Judas, on the street straight. I want you to go to him and pray for him. And Ananias says, what? That's right. Are you kidding me? Come on, God, I am not going to the persecutors. He's been killing people for no other reason than they belong to you. And God says... I'm going to use him to reach the Gentiles. And he has no idea what he's got ahead of him. Just do as I say. Ananias is in some ways very blind to what's going to happen. He has no idea what he's walking into. He walks into Judas' house and Saul says, Aha! Ananias! You're dead! And it's over for him. But he doesn't, does he? Paul has had his own experience. Riding on his horse or whatever from 
Jerusalem, he has now got papers to kill people in Damascus. Yes, the same Damascus that we talk about today. And on the way, what, is, what happens to him? He gets preached to, and there's a mass rally, and he walks the aisle and becomes a Christian. Right? No. He gets struck down. He has this sense of God's presence all around him in the form of light. And a voice says to him, what? Why are you persecuting me? And what's very interesting is Paul's response is, well, I don't know. What does he say? Who are you? Now, any good Jew knows that if you have a God experience, you do not ask God, what's your name? They learned that from Moses. Okay? So all of a sudden, he's saying, who are you? How is this experience somehow divine? And Jesus says to him, it is Jesus whom you are persecuting. What is going on here? Jesus is dead. He was crucified and buried back in Jerusalem, and Paul knows it. He's a good rabbi. He's got this nailed down. How can it be that he is persecuting Jesus when Jesus is dead? What does he not know that you and I know? We sang about it this morning, didn't we? Yeah, this Jesus that you persecute is alive, Paul. Is alive. So, Saul, hearing this vision, hearing this voice, the guys with him hear the sound of it, don't have any idea what's going on, and he gives him instructions to go into the city, and he'll find out there what to do next. The transformative way the part of our spiritual experience that requires the confrontation with the divine. What is Paul's experience? His experience is light that surrounds him inexplicably. The other night when it was thunderstorming, I was driving home from a meeting in Trenton. And it was amazing to me as I'm driving up... um, the turnpike, how the lightning, when it lights up, it was like daytime for a split second. And literally, I could see the signs and, and that buildings, and it was a, a split second experience of absolute daylight, and then boom, dead darkness. Paul's experience is a sustained light. It is a sign, you see, or a a metaphor, a whatever you want, a signpost of the Spirit of God communicating to Paul, to Saul at this point, that you are about to begin something very, very different than what you've been about for the past few years. Saul, recognizing that, submits. And why? Because... Although his eyes are open, he cannot what? Ladies and gentlemen, conversion is a one-time event. But it is maintained on a daily basis. All the reformers taught this. 
That conversion is a split-second decision to follow Jesus Christ. But that decision has implications for every day. And every day our eyes are open, but do we always see? No. How many of us see Jesus in the street person sleeping in the cardboard box down on French Street? Or the Hispanic workers standing around smoking on the corner waiting for a job from one of the contractors who might drive by? Or for the young people who are struggling with drugs who get together on Saturday nights here just to figure out how to survive till next Saturday? Or the families that show up here without any income, looking for food for their kids and themselves to hold them over for a couple days until they can get to the next food pantry. How many of us see Jesus in them? Paul did not understand that when he killed every one of those people, he was persecuting Christ because they were his And he taught us as his children to see him in every person in need, no matter what their condition. It is not insignificant that Dante, when he wrote his work Infierno, said that the very bottommost part of hell is not fire. What is it? English majors, you ought to know this. No. The bottom of hell is ice. Ice. What's the foundation of hell? Coldness of spirit. Cold hearts that are not touched by the compassion of Jesus Christ, by the work of the Spirit of God, a life that is not understanding that every human being needs God's touch. And that that touch is not just a one-time experience. It's something that each one of us seeks every time we go to God in prayer. Every time we gather to worship here. And just as all of you gave Troy directions on how to get back there, conversion is not just an individual experience. Forget the days of revival in this country when it was all about walking the aisle and getting yourself right with God because conversion means that everybody is involved. All the men who surrounded Paul that day on the road knew something was going on. Everyone in the house of Judas knew something was going on. Everyone in Ananias' family and in the larger community knew that something was going on. Everybody is involved in conversion. It is not just an individual experience. It affects families. It affects workplaces. It affects schools and churches and communities. Every time we have ever, as a congregation, made it into the newspapers, we have had an effect on our community. Our conversion to a community of people who see a need and address it is a conversion experience for us. I can't tell you how many people have come back to visit who were here before, whenever before was, and say to me, I don't even recognize this church anymore. Hmm. 
I wonder what that means. Perhaps something's happened. Perhaps. But it is our responsibility, our calling, to make sure that that conversion continues. And that, you see, is the message of the Easter season. Sustaining that conversion experience involves a life of constant change. Submitting to the will of God, the word of God, and the way of God. Enabling God to make us into the men and women that we are called to be in Jesus Christ. And that is a work of the Spirit. Just as it was in Saul, and just as it was in Ananias, who was already a believer. You know the beautiful thing about this passage? The one phrase that absolutely blows my mind away? When Ananias meets Saul, what does he say? Oh, Saul, great rabbi of Jerusalem, persecutor of the Christians. How does he address Saul? Brother Saul. I just about cry. Brother Saul. He has no idea what's going on in Saul's heart and head. But he addresses him as brother. Let me tell you a secret. My father-in-law was an agnostic. Spent most of his life teaching his kids that God did not exist, and if he did, he was a joke. Our first child, who is going to be ordained in May, by the way, in the Reformed Church as a pastor was seven years old when he first came to visit us in our first parish in North Dakota. In a conversation with just my daughter and himself, my father-in-law was asked this question. Pap-pap, what have you done to make sure that you're going to be with me when we all get to heaven? Now here's a man that's lived his whole professional life saying that heaven didn't even exist. And his seven-year-old granddaughter says, I want to make sure you're going to be with me. I have no idea that this conversation happens. Months later, my father-in-law writes to me and says, I'm joining New Covenant Fellowship, a Presbyterian church that I served as a youth pastor. And I looked at my wife, and we looked at each other and said, Huh? And then he writes, and it's all because my granddaughter asked me this question and I didn't know how to answer. So I went for help. I went to somebody who I knew I could trust to help me understand how to answer that question. The pastor of this church. And so now I'm going to join Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to convince people that they're sinners or persecutors or lousy people or terrible pagans. You need to understand what Ananias understood. When God calls people, he calls them into a family, and it is brother that brings the heart to melt. Not sinner. Not sinner. The transformative way is the way of saying, you're part of us whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, 
whether you realize it or not. And that begins the transformation. That is why every one of us needs to address everyone else as Jesus in how we treat them, in how we deal with them, in how we serve them, not just within the church, but without as well. Almighty and ever-living God, resurrection didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. It's going on right now in the hearts of all of us who submit ourselves to your word this morning. Holy Spirit of God, we come just as we are, but we don't leave that way. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen. This is the good news that we have received, in which we stand and by which we are saved. Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised on the third day, and appeared first to the women, then to Peter and the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead in whom all things hold together, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell by the power of the Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the the church, and by the blood of the cross reconciles all things to God. Amen. All good gifts, all good things come to us from God's good hand. And our returning our tithes and offering the gifts to the work of God in this place and this community is the call upon our lives.
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to offer thanks and praise. God of all mercies, we give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all people. Give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. The 28th of this month, um, Peace Island Institute is going to be doing the coffee hour for us. And this is a Muslim group in Piscataway from Turkey that works together with the Interfaith Council of Churches and Synagogues here in New Brunswick. And they're basically coming uh, to help us to understand how they're working with the communities around New Brunswick uh, to give people understanding of who Muslims are that all Muslims are not terrorists, that all Muslims are not evil people. Uh, And so um, they're coming to share some goodies with us. It's all finger food, he writes. And um, uh, they'll be with us for probably 20 minutes to half an hour during coffee hour. Uh, But uh, that will be on the 28th of the month. Okay, Um, some good news. Uh, On Easter Sunday, our organ restoration fund began and over $2,000, actually 2100 or more, was raised uh, for the repair and restoration of the, of the organ. Um, I'm actually going to make a suggestion to the consistory the next time we meet that every wedding that happens in the sanctuary, I think they pay like $500 to rent the sanctuary, that $500 is gonna, I'm going to suggest automatically go into the organ fund so that we can start to build that up. Uh, Marilyn tells me that we have to raise something like 20 grand for, to do some of the ma- major work. So, uh, you know, it's during the summer months, we can have as many as two and three weddings in here. Uh, and that's, you know, maybe two grand every year for a couple of years. We'll be able to make it and fix that organ up really nicely. Okay? So, now that we know all about what's going on, let's uh, do our work of, of uh, our service of worship in prayer. Uh, Please uh, share with us, if you will, items of petition or praise or thanksgiving as God's people, and then we'll go together in prayer before God. How did they know that Saul had become Paul? Well, it's because when he got to the synagogues, he said that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How will the world know that we are the sons and daughters of the living God? May they hear us in our deeds and words proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now until Christ returns in glory and then forever. And all of God's people said, Amen.